Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Hey, Boiling Pointers. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Before we start, Dave and I want to let you know all about our Boiling Point process, online courses, live events, and masterminds. After interviewing hundreds of leaders, we've packaged a ton of knowledge together to serve up to you. Info that will help you and your company be heard in a very noisy marketplace. So visit www.boilingpointprocess.com and sign up for the email newsletter, and we'll let you know when our next cohort or event is. Thanks also for supporting The Boiling Point by subscribing to us on iTunes and also leaving a rating for us. Dave, you and I are back. um, And every once in a while, we have the pleasure of actually having a human in the studio with us, which is awesome. And we'll we'll introduce this incredible human uh, momentarily. Uh, In the meantime, Dave, what's been going on in your world? Oh man, actually this connects with this story. Um, you know, my my son came off this really cool TV show. Um He's kind of like the smartest kid, one well, of the smartest he, kids in Canada. He, yeah, Dave. there's a big story behind that. It was a, it was an amazing run and 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 it connects is a nice segue into who we're going to talk to in a second introduce. And the big concern I had when he went into this was how was the community going to respond, right? You know, and particularly school and his friends and all these kind of things and so he's 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 come out of that. It was a really neat. It's called Canis Mars Person Junior. It was a fabulous experience. He's like now a sixteen year old. You know, he went into it. Sixteen. No, he went. He went. He went into eleven. He's oh, actually. He's like. He is actually twelve. But <laughs> it, it just aged. Like he's become this. You know, like he's he's got an Instagram account. All this, or he wants to have an Instagram account. I should yeah, say. There's and there's difference. and there. Anyways, there's a whole there's a whole thing going on there. But anyways, one of the really cool things that happened was the PR people from CBC would contact us and they wanted to control. You know. Every every participant who they were talking to the media and be careful and they and they said we'd like Liam to be in this excellent publication called Maritime Edit, and I went oh I think I know a little bit about that magazine I said well, I could talk to no no you can't talk to them directly <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> so so they they coordinated it all and he was and it's, we're going to talk about it. And we and we have Pam Mullinger or Pamela Mullinger in the in the studio with us who is responsible for this I'm the publisher yeah of and it is a brilliant magazine I'm not saying that just because uh, Liam's involved but there was a really nice piece on him and I, we're so Great, thankful thank for you. that thank you and I've said this before it's probably the nicest feeling magazine like feel this like, I you know. just want to snuggle with it yeah <laughs> you know? it's called it's a soft touch a soft touch is Pamela, it, it's a liquid that goes on top of the paper oh it really? is really? okay oh, so Pamela you come from many many years in the publishing industry uh, and you're from St. John because I remember mm-hmm. hanging out with you on the beach when I was a kid. Uh, I actually have legit <laughs> memories. Um, I really do. Uh, and you uh, spent many years uh, in the publishing business as you're still in the publishing business uh, creating your own magazine. Why don't you give us your intro uh, and let's let's sure. jump right into this sure. thing. Um, yeah, so I guess we played on the beach because that's where I grew up on the Kingston Peninsula and spent every day at the summer in the summer on the beach. And magazine started right at the beginning. I remember 
making mom buy me Vogue at the co-op in Grand Bay and just for some reason was drawn to to magazines and fashion magazines, travel, every, every everything, celebrity magazines, and sort of decided at quite an early age, I just wanted to work in magazines and publishing, you know, sort of like, how do you do that in St. John? Not, not very easily back in 1990, when I was in grade 10. Um, so sort of looked at, okay, where can I go? And, and what should I study? And, and how can I do this? Uh, so I went to Toronto and went to the International Academy of Merchandising and Design, which uh, was a program for actually fashion merchandising management. So it wasn't directly magazine publishing, but it was the world of, of fashion and, and uh, magazines. So I went there and I did a two-year program and I did publishing um, courses at Ryerson University as well. And uh, yeah, just sort of looked at, okay, you know, this is what I'd like to do between working in magazines and fashion. And, and so I studied there and started working in, in Toronto straight after. And I spent five years working in fashion um, in Toronto for, for big brands, Giorgio Armani, Calvin Klein, Valentino. So working in the marketing department and we would service all of the retailers that were buying those brands um, in Canada. And it was an Italian-based company. They restructured and decided that the U.S., New York specifically, could look after Canada, which, as we know, quite often. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So I had spent quite a few years, you know, traveling back and forth and working in New York and had decided that I didn't want to work in New York when I was finished, not finishing in Toronto, basically what, sorry, I should go back to say, um, so GFT, which was the company, Italian-based, and when they did the restructure, they shut down the Canadian office. And so everybody was made redundant from the president through to everyone that worked in the warehouse. And I had already been thinking about moving to London. My grandmother was English, so I had an ancestry. I could get an ancestry visa and live and work there for five years as a minimum, no problem, and then apply for a passport. So... Um, Anyway, because I had worked in New York back and forth, and, you know, New Yorkers have a specific way of working, which is different to, to Canadians. Didn't want to work there. I decided that's not for me. So I uh, packed my bags and, and moved to London to work for Vanity Fair magazine. So wow. That was back in 2000. And so, okay. And so you're, you're young, right out, of, right out of university. Yeah, I was 24. I was 24 years old when I moved to London. And I said, you know, I'll just, I had never been. Um, and I thought, well, I'll just pack my bags and go and see how it is and see how I make out. And uh, yeah, I spent 14 years there and came back here five years ago with two children, a husband and a contents of a four bedroom house (laughs) (laughs) and a career in in magazine publishing. Did you come back? Five years ago. Five years ago. Okay. And what was the decision to come back? It was lifestyle. It was family. Um, You know, we had done things sort of in the opposite time frame of, of many others, or I guess when you're living in a city and we just focused on our careers. So we had done that, you know, it's sort of been 20 years into it. And we said, we have a choice. We actually have an option and the, mm. the kids are small and we've put time into our career. So let's, let's make this choice and do it now because otherwise 10 years will go by and we'll say, you know, we should have done it because look, right. 10 years have, has passed. It's incredible how fast and, and, time goes. And there's eh? probably just an element of, well, I mean, you grew up here, so you understood the lifestyle and the yeah. nature opportunities around us in this little place, St. John, New Brunswick. And, uh, but also in a way, I'm, I'm only coming to, to terms with this right now, to do business in a place like this, there's, this, there's an element of being able to live a retirement at the same time as you're hustling, like you're still working your butt off, 
But yeah. having access to this river and the ocean and the, everything that we have, the small community, all this, there's, so, there's something that is a little easing about that for me. I don't know if that yeah. uh, applies to you, you Pam, but, uh, and you also came with a continued employment in the publishing industry too. It's not like you had to give up your job when you moved Right. Here. I mean, I did though. I did step down from a very big position. You know, I was the founding publishing director of of Monocle Magazine, which is a global publication. It still continues to be one of the best magazines on the newsstand. So I was, both of us, both James and I, were leaving really amazing careers and, and positions, but we still felt that there was probably value in making that change. We only have one life, and we've done that. Now let's do it a different way. And who knows what's going to happen, but let's try. What I'm really curious about is, like, what was... And I'm I'm assuming you came back and had vacate you know saw your family and stuff throughout that time right, but moving back like if we go back so it would have been 2013 I'm guessing five yes. years ago or yeah or we, I guess 2014 14. yeah yep. it's, 2014. Nine, it's 2019 right now mm-hmm. so what was that like like what was like coming like like was it what you expected was there any surprises like what was that experience it's, like There's still surprises it's still I don't know what I expected um, it's a big change going from working in an office traveling regularly to being to st- setting up a business somewhere where you've never worked before where there t- where there isn't really an industry of the nature of the business right. that we're doing right. so you know we connect on with the sort of publishing industry more so through Toronto and and you know a little bit Halifax and stuff but less so within this region per se because it's just not um it just doesn't have you know the industry so it's it's um yeah, so there's differences and changes and so plan- things to get used to all the time. And even doing banking here was an adjustment because really? almost 15 years in London, yeah. I feel like sort of growing up there um, as an adult, you know, you just either I didn't, I hadn't done stuff here. You know, I'd never bought a house in Canada. I'd bought three in, in England. So right. there's, it's, you know, all of those things took getting used to and, and still sort of adjusting to but equally like you say when you grow up somewhere and you have that familiar sense of what it's like to be here and Mm. and how to sort of be with people then you know you don't forget that yeah well and you know but where I was going with that was Mm. I grew up in the Yukon territory my parents still live there I've often thought of going back mm-hmm. and I'm, and I'm wonder how nostalgic am I? Like, would, would it meet what I think it would meet or would it be better? Or, you know what I mean? Like, so you I, I know, well, like you wouldn't, know. you know, you wouldn't, but you do, I would have a certain expectation, I guess, you know, because yeah. I'm not going to leave somewhere for something completely unknown. Right. So the reentry was, is, is you're still experiencing the, the, uh, yeah. And I, I think too, cause the world has changed so much anyway, true. you know, it's, yeah, good point. you know, my son will say to me like, well, how old were you when you got your first cell phone? I'm like, well, 21. Cause that's when they came out, you know, right. <laughs> not you as yeah. an eight year old, right. you know, sort of with that expectation, um, of, of having a phone. So yeah, things have changed anyway. And even though I think we still live in a part of the world that is, so unknown and small and charming, but equally in a lot of ways, you're not compromised and mm-hmm. that disconnected because of the way that mm. things have changed. I've, uh, as you've been speaking, I'm still touching this magazine. Mm-hmm. So the magazine is called the Maritime Edit. Now, in this particular issue, you've got uh, Maddie Masson on the front cover and your brand is Edit. Yes. But on the spine, of course, it's the Maritime Edit. 
And as I, as I, because I, I got this this issue already in the mail, and I was, I was thinking, I was like, even though this is a lot of maritime stories, like this is a, it's kind of an evergreen, like you can be from anywhere and read this, you know, like it's, it's yeah. very, it's not. It's regional, but it's not regional. It's, <laughs> so what, what, what's and, the what's yeah? The so we had a slight rebrand, and we kept the maritime on the side just for a little bit of can you know um, continuity. Continuity, yeah. thank you. But we we removed the maritime from the cover, really from the entire brand um, for that reason because Interesting. Okay, the content yeah. has always had a national interest, um, regardless of the story. So whether we're covering you know people or businesses or destinations within Atlantic Canada, or it could be elsewhere in the yeah, country. Oceaga here. Right. You know, that, and, yeah. you know, we feel like the Doesn't reader, they may primarily reside in Atlantic Canada, but really our, our demographic and our readership is completely national. And we've always been sold nationally um, on newsstand and through the website with subscriptions. And by removing the maritime, it doubled the stores that Incredible. we were in across the country because it takes that stigma away the of, stigma, yeah. is this a regional publication? And we've always been very clear, it's it's not regional. So it's trying to find that balance with editorial yeah. that is um, supporting and really promoting Atlantic Canadians, but equally on a national well, it's, level. It's the same thing we're doing for Boiling Point, mm-hmm. really. You know, like we, we seem to have 50% Atlantic Canadian guests on here. Uh, but this isn't for Maritimers, but as a result of us being here and pr- publishing from here, there's uh, a great way for us to help other Maritimers and businesses share their stories to right. the world, but our content is generally not regionally based. Mm-hmm. The um, it, So that's a very subtle, the good subtlety you picked up on, because I didn't, you know, I was just... I didn't even know that. I, I just, I, it's just Mar- something I picked up on. Yeah. So that's, 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 <laughs> good, that's good branding, right? Like, right. Like, for, from my perspective. So what's the difference between, you know, working in the industry for, like, some of the big companies you did or like I guess the big brands whatever you did and then like being a founder and and launching and into a place like where you're really pioneering Mm -hmm. right because you said it wasn't like a big industry that you were just you know kind of swimming into right it's like it's like creating right yeah and I can relate to that on the coaching side because there was no coaching company when we started and there's not very many now right so it's this it's just an interesting category to be in yeah, it's um, so there's a few answers to, to that. So one, I guess there's, you know, kind of creating a brand and, and creating something new that doesn't exist. And I have direct experience from that from doing Monocle because we launched that completely from scratch. And I worked on Wallpaper Magazine too, which I wasn't there during launch days. But again, that was groundbreaking, a publication that didn't exist. But really too with Monocle, it was you know, a global publication that was covering current affairs, business, culture, design. And it was the same edition for everyone around the world. So whether you lived in Switzerland or Copenhagen or Tokyo, the reader was interested in these stories Mm -hmm. um, about people and businesses anywhere in the world and kind of learning from that. So when we looked at the concept of what we felt was missing in the market was that national publications don't cover Atlantic Canada in the depth that should be, or if they do, it's usually disparaging or mm-hmm. negative. So we wanted to create something that was positive and and that didn't exist. And so, um, you know, that was kind of the basis behind looking at that and then doing it, doing it yourself. This is the first time we've taken a jump and had the opportunity, I guess, to create something ourselves. So we're completely independent. We're not government funded. We're mm-hmm. doing this completely on our on our own backs and uh luckily we have 
connections from the past who have helped, you know, sort of pave the way. So the way that we have a national distributor is because of the context that we've made through mm-hmm. Monocle and GQ. Um, so those years, because it's pretty competitive. People think that print is dead. And that's another thing that was an interesting, you know, you launch something where it's not like everyone's thinking, oh, great, we need another coffee shop or or we need another restaurant. It's like, oh, how come you're doing print? Isn't mm-hmm. it all digital? Mm-hmm. And But actually, when you point. look at it, it's it's very competitive. If you go to the newsstand, there are tons of publications. And um, even just to get on newsstand in the airports, either you have to pay a significant amount or you have to have good sell-through. You know, it's, it's not an easy um, industry because there are lots of publications. So so we sort of had that on our side to help. Um, and we just are able, when it's your own thing, you can be quick and nimble and right. flexible and, you know, find ways to be partners with, uh, with people. So, so that's all been, that's all been good and, and positive. But I guess when you're doing, when you're creating a publication in the area where there is no industry, then, you know, you're dealing with people that aren't necessarily the, cl- a marketing client or a media agency. It's, the business owner, and you maybe are neighbors with them, and <laughs> and you see them in the grocery store, and right. you know you have a different <laughs> different sort of relationship with the person that that you're working with, which doesn't exist either in a bigger city or when you strictly work in a publishing industry, and those are all new and business it's, it's unique etiquette yeah. to to kind of navigate. get to know and yeah. navigate. Yeah, yeah. The um, there is sensitivity. Yeah, hundred oh, percent. Mm-hmm. And but as you're speaking, I think about. You know, sure, we definitely have had been given the short end of the stick on a national storytelling stage, uh, this region of Canada that we're in, for uh, forever. And there's a number of reasons for it. But I think about all the other places in the world, uh, and we do have a lot of listeners on both sides of the border for this podcast, So, um, where there's all these little nooks and crannies of places that are just written off as like, oh, Lowell, Massachusetts, you know, it's just an old industrial worn out town, you know. But there's an incredible art scene in there that that it's you know like or whatever doesn't matter where it is, it's Whitehorse, um, places that are just not spoken about. That's where you can find the gems of stories. Mm-hmm. And I think today in this day and age, people are are curious about these little nooks and crannies that may have had a negative stereotype for many many years, and therefore the great stories that bubble up here they don't typically exit the borders. I wonder where that, pers- like, that presents an interesting perspective because I don't have the same feeling, right? And we've talked mm. about this before. Being from, like, a C- come from away, CFA, I feel like there's so many brilliant stories, right? And Oh, just, you know I, there are, well, of course. And there are, yeah. right? And and I'm, I want, I'm, I'm going to frame this into a question um, for Pam. But, like, I remember when I started the business, you know, interviewing leaders uh, in the Telegraph Journal in the business section, and um, the business right at the time, great guy, you know, kind of gave me an opportunity, but he said, you know, I don't think anyone's going to want to talk to you, Dave, you know, because it's not the maritime. And I thought, why wouldn't they want to talk? I never had that problem. You know, it'd be like, like us, you know, with the podcast, all, no one's going to want to talk about it. I don't dis- disagree, but is it, are you guys, is you, how are you finding like, you know, your stories, are they easy to grab? Like, are there, are there too many to tell? Like, how do you, how do you navigate which ones you want to share? Until um, yeah, it's a good question because, again, because we're not it, living in – there's no industry per se. People aren't necessarily knocking on the doors as much as they would be in London or New York where it's just constant pitching, where brands are pitching, wanting to be 
in the in the yeah, magazine yeah. stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah. we're really doing the work. We're doing all the groundwork to find the stories and sort of pitch and for editorial and so you know what we're telling people. Let us know what's going on. Right, we want to know. Um, so that, we're having that's, to that's work. A, that's a good story to cut you off. That's a good learning because I never that never even occurred to me. Right. That so in, on the other when you're you know people are actually pitching you stories all the time when Monocle and all these yes. Okay, that's an interesting. Constant. That's why that's why PRs exist. That's why PR agencies exist. So to get them in. So yeah. the CBC would have been pitching you guys a story on hey, there's a kid from yeah. your region. So we we welcome we welcome people you know pitching stories. Doesn't mean it's going to make the cut, or it might take time, or it might have to fit. You know, when there's an angle for the story that that we feel is is appropriate. But yeah, it's it's interesting trying to educate. Right. The businesses to to you know to think of us as as another sort of media source to include and and um, but on the other hand we are making inroads of getting access because of the quality of the publication and the writing and the journalist um, and the you know the original photography that the fact that we were able to secure Maddie Matheson for the cover and to shoot him with a with an amazing photographer um, Denise that you know you can. That is testament to the work that we've done so far, and we've got some great. And actually, people should will want to see this. So, how, can they up. see it online? Can they? Can they? Could they? You like can't this? read the magazine online. We're starting to put features online on the website. Yeah. But really, like you said, you know, it's really about having Come the on, publication. Dude, put your hands on that. I know. Thing, no, listen. Yeah, I geez. I learned. Some, I'm learning a whole bunch today. But I mean, this whole thing about what's this called again? Plush? Oh, soft touch. Plush touch. But plush works. <laughs> I was going to go home and tell Marion, have you ever felt those magazines are plush? You know what I mean? You know what? Just having this conversation uh, is kind of the first time it's dawned on me. The um, There's not many, and I'm going to say of us, out there, but maybe this is why we can succeed in, there's not many podcasts like the Bowling Point Podcast coming out of Atlantic Canada sharing stories the way we do out to the world. There's not many Hemmings houses telling stories right. with film out to the world. There's not many edits. So I find regions like this, you can thrive if you because nobody else is doing it, like you said. Right. Or very few people. So you actually have a chance. Like l- l- let's say we're in Toronto. I'm sure my production company would have become successful quickly there, I'm sure, but I just feel that the the circle of support never would have happened in a big city where there's a million of other other of me, you know, and I, I wonder if that's similar. Now you do come from a, a, a very robust position in the industry, so you 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 do definitely had a privilege of of those connections, which is great. But I just think it's a neat thing to think about. People were telling stories from quirky regions outwards in in Atlanta, Canada, seem to be doing well. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want with this. You know, we our tagline, wit, wisdom, and modesty, used to say of Atlanta, Canada. And now the other tweak we made was it's from, from. Atlanta, Canada. So, you know, the most of the national publications are all based in Toronto. And we happen to be based in St. John, New Brunswick uh, as a national publication. So, you know, our competition are the national titles. And Canada doesn't actually have a magazine that looks like this, that reads like this, um, that feels like it. So that's our that's our competition, and great for Atlantic Canada. They they get to have the exposure. I think that's what mm-hmm. our job is, and that's what we're working to is, yeah, to further the awareness of the Atlantic Canadian content. I was going to ask you about competition because I was going to say there's certainly not. I was I was thinking about this interview, and I was thinking about the stuff that I would get 
um, you know, that would come come across my way, and there's nothing like this. And that's why I was wanting to be great. So people, like, so could people view even the cover online yes, to get a sense? You can see the cover yeah, and where, a where list of some, the content that's in each of the issues. You can buy back issues. And there are some stories, like I said, we're starting to add them. And what's the, what's the URL? Uh, MaritimeEdit.com. Okay, good. Because I'm thinking we're describing it. I'd like someone to see it because yes. they would go, oh. We'll, we'll put in the show notes as well. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, This I, I, I'm just so excited that this exists, Pam. I think it's awesome. And Thank you. Um, so, you know, as we come close to the end of our interview, where, where are we going next, you know, uh, with your, with the publication? Like, uh, you've, you've jumped around a number of different awesome, huge brands. Like, is there... Something else in the works, or are we going to keep seeing this grow out into new markets, maybe internationally, perhaps? Yeah, international, there's definitely opportunity, especially, you know, having dropped the maritime. It's just a fact, right, that if we want to be on newsstands in, in London or, or Tokyo, it it needs to be have a broader sense of what the content is. So definitely international, those are, the, that takes a big investment to, to get on newsstands globally, but... We continue to really focus on on this. It's quarterly, um, you know. Maybe that frequency increases, but right now, quarterly suits the the size of the team and and uh, and and sort of what the business plan is. So, yeah, even just more newsstands, like more awareness, and and uh, that's that's kind of what we're continuing right now. We're only two years in, mm-hmm. um, so we're we're happy with how things are going. Um, but still, it's early days, and really, in the grand scheme of a startup, has there been any surprises in the in the two years? Uh, any surprises? Good question. I think I think we've hit a spot that we we felt that there was an opportunity, but even in some cases that we weren't expecting. So, surprise could be where government bodies and and private companies have bought bulk copies of the publication to use as a delegate gift. Uh, at a conference, whether they're selling the, a city in another city to, you know, for conferences. So things like that where, you know, for the years that we've been in magazine publishing, that's never been mm-hmm. uh, something that a magazine has been able to mm-hmm. sort of include in their, mm-hmm. in their revenue stream. Mm-hmm. So I think it's quite an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we're sort of sitting along products that, that are traditional to a, a, a place, sort of like, like 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 annual events, or you got yeah, you, you, but you know you you know you sort of rather than get a mug or right. get maple syrup, right? You know, why not a copy of yeah. of Edit? Your 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 business partner was telling me about that, and I thought that was so interesting at that exact point because I because I was kind of thinking, oh, I wonder how subscriptions going, and he was saying he was surprised at how. Uh, I'm assuming James is your business partner yes. in this, right? Um, he he was saying, oh, you know, the one big surprise was exactly this. And it was like, ah, and those are happy surprises, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they are, definitely. <laughs> you definitely. know what I mean? Like where you're like, wow, we had we had no idea because you're, you know, as I'm looking at the number of copies you got, um, I mean, that's that's substantial, right? Yeah, yeah it's it's the largest in, in Atlantic Canada and we're, you know, sort of, as I say, competing Bam. on competing on a national level. So we need to keep those numbers up. Yeah. Awesome. We, we got to get you back in again uh, in maybe in a year, in 12 months, yeah. just to kind of do a check-in to see where this great. is going. And we're, uh, yeah, we're, we're Greg, thrilled. Greg hasn't pitched you on a Boiling Point story yet. Oh, I was waiting there's an idea. Yeah. Can, can you imagine Dave and I on another cover? We've been on, we've been the poster boys on, on the front of Robert Simmons magazine. 
<laughs> you should have seen a panel. Oh my gosh, we look good. <laughs> look that up. <laughs> oh yeah, the show look notes up, too. Look up. Yeah. Cool. Well, Pamela, thank you. What we thank do you. now is we say goodbye, and then we take a quick pause, and we come back for takeaways. Okay. Which you're going to be part of. So thanks everybody for listening. This is Pam Mullinger. And Pam, why don't you tell people again how to, to get in touch with you and uh, any other information? Okay, so um, yeah, URL is maritimeedit.com. Uh, and you can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at the same. And um, all of our contact details are, are on the website. And you shop at Sobeys. Sobeys, uh, Superstore. <laughs> Cradle. Yeah, there we go. There we go. All right. Thanks, Thanks, family. Thank you so much. Thank you. And now it's time for the Boiling Point Takeaways. Okay, so, so we're, it's mostly we're, <laughs> we're, we're laughing here, and, and we're uh, and we're coming live from St. John, New Brunswick, from the Bowling Point uh, Podcast booth, and uh, we've been speaking to Pamela Mullinger right over there. Oh, there we go. I've got my selfie stick going on here, and we're here to do our takeaways. Um, Dave, that was an awesome interview. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, so you want me to start? Yeah. What, 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 yeah. What's your takeaway? Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna, and, let, and we're, we're all giggling we're, because we're this is kind of a new segment for yes. us, and, and the selfie stick is always worthy of a laugh. And 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 the the question is, what did you take away from this interview, Dave? Um, <laughs> there we go. So, so panel, we can, and we're gonna ask you in a second. So, I'll let you think, but for a second, you know, big takeaways. One is, um, I, I love the idea of like rebranding, right? Or not? I don't. Maybe rebrand's not the way, to, but but it's that subtle nuances between. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really recognizing your audience, and um, and Pamela shared a story about um, you know moving from maritime edit to edit, and just what that did for the audience, and um, and it makes me think a little bit about you know being too maybe regionally um, focused or or seen too regionally. So um, I, I I like that. I want to think a little more on that one. So mm. that's my takeaway. Okay, and uh, I think my takeaway is well, it's very similar again connected to a region. You know, depending on what region you're working in, think about those assets that maybe you've picked up internationally with your work or your past. And even if you haven't had global experience, what are some areas of your own expertise or experience that you can bring into your quirky little uh, regions of your of your life? Uh, and I think that's what I admire from uh, what Pamela and her partner James have been doing with the edit is bringing this this rich knowledge of publishing oh we should to a place we, you know what we got to do let's show the magazine as well oh yeah cuz i mean it is brilliant <laughs> and this magazine. is not plush this is actually called soft touch soft touch soft touch okay so now we're going to go over to to to, to pamela and uh, ask what her takeaway was besides okay. us not being able to get, me not being able to get plush <laughs> all right <laughs> no pressure no, no pressure, pressure. <laughs> How, okay. How, how, how was it, Pamela? How was great. speaking to the bowling point? Yeah, it was great talking to you guys. Thank you. And uh, I think, you know, the takeaway is still that we believe strongly in print, and we think um, there's a there's an appetite for it, and it goes to show that because if you look at a lot of big digital brands, they have either open stores or launched magazines, and uh, so that's why we feel strongly that you know we continue to grow with this and. The, the world's our oyster, really. We can sell it anywhere. Awesome. What did Don want us to say? Oh, yeah. Smash the like. Smash the like. Okay, guys. Have Thank an you. awesome, awesome week, everybody. Subscribe at bowlingpointpodcast.com and uh, check out the bowlingpointprocess.com as well to uh, explore ways to be heard in a noisy market. See you next week, Dave. See you later. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. 
Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback.